Veeam, radical resilience starts here. This is your tech news briefing for Friday, March 10th. I'm Zoe Thomas for The Wall Street Journal. Imagine a world where your laptop never overheated and where power grids could endlessly store and transfer energy from renewable sources like wind and the sun. That world could be getting closer, thanks to findings from a group of scientists at the University of Rochester. They report creating a superconductor that can operate at room temperature and at a much lower pressure than previously discovered superconducting materials. It could be an energy game changer. Our science reporter Island Woodward will join us to discuss the findings and what could come next. That's after these headlines. We've got new details about the Federal Trade Commission's probe into Twitter. The FTC's hundreds of written documents to the company in recent months show it's investigating owner Elon Musk's personal role in high-profile decisions, including massive layoffs, content moderation, and the sharing of internal company records with journalists. Twitter is obliged to share details of those decisions with the federal government under the terms of an FTC order from 2011 and another agreement from last year. If Twitter doesn't live up to its commitments, the FTC could seek severe financial penalties and sanctions. Twitter didn't immediately respond to a request for comment. Our tech policy reporter Ryan Tracy has more on the political tension it sparked at yesterday's House Judiciary Committee hearing. Democrats accuse Republicans of basically carrying water for Elon Musk, you know, and helping Elon push back against the FTC and this investigation by putting these letters out there and sort of creating public criticism against the FTC. Now, Republicans pushed back on that and said they're interested in protecting free speech and the freedom of the press, and that's why they're raising this issue. So it was a contentious hearing, and there's going to be a lot of spotlight on this investigation going forward. China's biggest search engine operator, Baidu, is racing to put out its own version of ChatGPT, according to staff working on the project. But some employees said they haven't had sufficient time to build a well-functioning product, and the chatbot was still being trained on data. Baidu plans to release its artificial intelligence-powered chatbot, dubbed ErnieBot, next week. Sources familiar with the project have said hundreds of people have been working round the clock, and other teams have been asked to lend staff and share powerful computer chips, which Chinese companies can no longer buy because of U.S. sanctions. And a reminder, we are taking your questions on generative AI for an upcoming episode. Leave us a voicemail on 415-439-6482, or send us a voice recording with your question to tnb at wsj.com. The European Union is relaxing rules on government tax breaks and other benefits for clean tech companies. It's part of the bloc's efforts to prevent companies from leaving Europe for the U.S. in search of new subsidies offered under the Inflation Reduction Act. European governments can match the level of aid offered by non-EU countries for certain projects, but the EU's executive arm said the measure was meant only for exceptional circumstances. Tensions between Brussels and Washington have been high since the Inflation Reduction Act was signed into law. EU leaders saw it as a way for the U.S. to lure away electric vehicle makers and other clean tech companies. And finally, Disney may raise prices on its flagship streaming service, Disney Plus, and license content to other streaming competitors. 
At a conference in San Francisco yesterday, CEO Bob Iger revealed the details as part of the company's plan for streaming profitability. He said subscriptions could slow as the industry focuses more on profits. Disney Plus launched in 2019. Since then, it's lost nearly $10 billion as the company spent heavily on content to attract subscribers. All right, energy efficiency for personal gadgets, medical devices like MRI machines, or even the entire grid could become commercially viable in the near future. We'll discuss this technological breakthrough when we come back. Build a stronger future with Veeam, the global leader in data protection and ransomware recovery. Protect and restore any workload, anywhere, anytime, instantly, and get comprehensive recovery and tailored solutions that scale with you. Visit VEEAM.com to learn more. Veeam, radical resilience starts here. The holy grail of energy transmission is a superconductor, something that transfers energy without giving away any in the form of heat. But most superconductors are wildly impractical because they typically only work under extreme cold or pressure. Researchers at the University of Rochester think they might have a solution, and this technology could eventually have a huge impact on how we consume energy. Here to talk through what they found and why it matters is our science reporter, Island Woodward. Hi, Island. Thanks for joining us again. Hi, thanks so much for having me again. So, Island, what's different about the conductors the research team in Rochester discovered? Basically, ever since the first superconductor was discovered in 1911, researchers have been trying to discover materials that are capable of superconducting that don't need these extreme requisite conditions. And the way they go about trying to solve that conundrum is they try different recipes, different atomic recipes. In the case of this new breakthrough, the superconductor recipe in question, they took hydrogen, they added a little bit of nitrogen and a rare earth material called lutetium and basically squeezed it and heated it to see what happens. And then once they had created this new material, they dialed back the pressure and they amped up the temperature to see if it could still be a superconductor, even when it wasn't really cold or wasn't under extreme pressure. So this new material that they've discovered, it doesn't need to be super cooled. It doesn't need to be super pressurized. That's what you're telling us? Correct. It does operate at room temperature, 69 degrees Fahrenheit. And then in terms of pressure, the caveat here is it works at a much lower pressure than other superconducting materials. It works at 145,000 pounds per square inch of pressure. We actually experience 15 pounds per square inch at sea level. So we're not quite at ambient pressure yet. But the special thing about getting the superconductor into this 145,000 pounds per square inch range is that there are techniques and instruments that engineers and material scientists can use to achieve those pressures without needing super expensive specialized equipment. So those pressures are used in chip manufacturing and synthesizing diamonds, for example. So the way an outside expert explained it to me is that this new discovery sort of brings the superconductor into a range where engineers can jump on it and make something commercially viable out of it. 
So it would just be much cheaper to have energy conducted this way than through the conductive materials we use at the moment? So the thing about the conductive materials we use at the moment is, as you mentioned, there's always a loss in the transfer and distribution as heat, typically. And the thing about superconductors is that you don't see that loss. It is perfect efficiency. But right now, the scales are sort of unbalanced because you have to maintain these extreme conditions that enable the superconducting material to work. So in the case of the superconducting magnets in an MRI machine, for example, they need liquid helium to cool down those magnets in order for them to work, in order for them to sort of yield that beneficial, lossless electric current transfer. And so in order to get those benefits, you have to then pay the piper. You have to facilitate those extreme conditions. And if we were able to swap in a superconductor that worked at room temperature or worked at pressures that were closer to ambient pressure, it would mean that these devices are cheaper to make and maintain. It would mean that we could shrink them down. So we could make, for example, maybe smaller MRI machines that were portable because you wouldn't need that bulky cooling apparatus to make the superconducting material happy. Is this something that could, say, help in electrical devices that we use, you know, maybe in our homes or in our everyday lives? Absolutely. And I think that's really the application that maybe first comes to mind when you chat about superconductors is if you have them in your handheld devices, your phones and your laptops, they'll need less electricity to run. They won't lose that energy as heat. When you have your laptop in your lap and it overheats, like that won't happen if superconducting components are involved. And the same components could be incorporated into electric car batteries, for example, or electric planes even, one of the experts said. And then the two sort of lead scientists from this University of Rochester group, they told me that They think we'll have devices with superconducting components in them in the next five years. Could this type of conductor make it easier to use renewable energy? Because storing that has always been a big hurdle. We could source any kind of energy a lot easier. But I mean, people often talk about superconductivity as maybe being a key thing to leverage in the fight against climate change because... A superconducting grid could store solar or wind energy for an indefinite period of time and then transfer it over a large distance. For example, say you're in a place like Arizona or California or Florida where you get a lot of sun. So you have a solar grid and you collect a lot of this energy, but you can't get it to a place far away that doesn't get as much sun without a loss. Or for example, you could bank up a lot of stored solar or wind energy and then just store it until you needed it in a superconducting grid because of that idea that you can, you know, this technology can help store energy for a perpetual period of time. What steps do they have to take to get it out of the lab and into these commercial products? They explained to me as they need to get to a point where they can create this superconducting material, either this new one that they just announced, or they're continuously tweaking their recipes. They're trying to get closer to room temperature and zero pressure, like zero pounds per square inch. And as they go about tweaking their methodology, they have to figure out how to make this material in bulk. One of the goals is creating like wire that's made out of this particular new type of superconducting material that can be distributed. They need to figure out how to make more of it more efficiently and cheaply. 
And that's probably the next step. So it's all about more efficiency, more cheaply, and then eventually more energy. Right. They explained it as like there's always a holier holy grail. So. (laughs) Okay. Something to aspire to then. That's our science reporter, Island Woodward. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. All right. That's it for Tech News Briefing this week. TNB's producer is Julie Chang. We had production assistance from Zoe Culkin. Our supervising producer is Melanie Roy. Our executive producer is Chris Sinsley. And I'm your host, Zoe Thomas. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend. Build a stronger future with Veeam, the global leader in data protection and ransomware recovery. Protect and restore any workload, anywhere, anytime, instantly, and get comprehensive recovery and tailored solutions that scale with you. Visit VEEAM.com to learn more. Veeam. Radical resilience starts here.